Good morning, family, friends, and guests. Welcome to Blueprint Church. Just so you know, this is the house of Yah, so his spirit is here. And where the spirit of hallelujah, and where the spirit of God is, there is what? There's freedom. There is peace. There is love, and there's a new life in Christ. Amen? We are continuing our series entitled Vantage Point. Pastor Heidi jumped us off last week with the vantage point of Joseph, which is Mary's husband. Or some might say Mary's, you know, her boo, her baby daddy. Today we'll look at the vantage point of Mary concerning the first coming and concerning the conception of King Yeshua Jesus. So the text has already been read. I'm just going to pray and we're going to dive into it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you with our hearts and our minds designed to hear from you. Our prayer today is your will be done, your kingdom come. Our prayer today is give us today our daily bread, physical and most importantly spiritual. Father, our prayer today is lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And even... More just as importantly, Lord God, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. Father, we desire your presence to have full reign in this place. May your grace be on display and your mercy be heard and seen in the text today. We are people who don't deserve you, but you love us. So we're we're grateful and we're thankful to be yours. Edify your church this morning. Reconcile, Lord God, your creation unto yourself. It's all about you. We desire, like the song says, to know you more. And we learn through scripture that knowing you more comes through the good times and the bad. The highlights of our lives and the downsides of our lives. But our dear brother Paul reminded us just to know you in the midst of suffering and to be conformed, to look more and more like you through death. And that death is the death of self. So have your way, Father. We love you. We adore you. In your son's name, Yeshua Jesus, we pray. And may the house of Yah say, amen, amen. It is so. It is so and so it will be. Most of the time when we think about the story of Mary, we think of a love story. We envision Mary and Joseph meeting in the marketplace, right? They get this little flirty stare, right? They fall in love. They get engaged. And then they have this great encounter with Yahweh that changes their lives forever. Sounds beautiful, right? It's beautiful to us because we love love stories. That's why we watch The Notebook, right? That's why we watch what? Our, our, what is called the rich, crazy Asian weddings, right? Or why we watch Love Jones. Amen. <laughs> or we watch one of my favorite romantic movies of all time, Please Don't Judge Me, Twilight. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm saying. I know some Jacob and some Edward fans in the building, amen? I was all about Edward. I just didn't think Jacob was right. I didn't think that was cool. You know, it's 
I don't want to go into vampires and, <laughs> and werewolves, but you know what I'm saying. But like I was saying, we love love stories, right? Well, Mary's story isn't quite a love story. It's not a romance. It's more of a drama. Imagine this. Imagine an olive or a brown-skinned teenager around the age of 12 to 16, born in Nazareth, born in a conservative household, born in a conservative culture. The name Mary is a very common name, like Leroy in the hood or, 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 or Becky in the suburbs, common name. Yep. Mary is derived from the name Miriam, which means in one culture loved and beloved in another culture bitter. Mary's parents were Joachim and, and Anne, and the Bible doesn't say much about them, so we'll continue to press through. Mary was probably a, a docile teenager, very submissive, probably obedient and respectful. Mary was a Jew, so she grew up listening to the teachings of, 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 of the Torah in the synagogue as well as listening to the teachings of prophets in the synagogue. So Mary was just like any other Jew. She was awaiting this prophesied king to come and bring justice, freedom, and the restoration of her kingdom. Mary grew up seeing and experiencing how men were treated differently than women. For example, women sat in different places than the men in the synagogue services. Women were historically exempt from studying beyond just understanding the practical aspects of the Torah and understanding how to run their household. Women depended on men financially during this time. Women did not own property unless it was inherited to them because there wasn't no male siblings in the family. When it came to marriage and divorce, women couldn't just, they didn't have to say so about when and how they can divorce their husbands. Men can do it whenever they want to. Women had to get the consent from the very husband they wanted to divorce. Imagine that. Jewish girls around this time, before the age of 12, they was considered minors. But when they became 12, they, because they was considered uh, uh, of age. And when they mean of age, I mean you were ready to become a woman. You were ready to become married or be betrothed or married to someone. And this marriage, of course, would lead to having children. And during this time, that was a fear because of the lack of, of skilled midwives, because of the lack of medical, uh, good medical practices. Majority of the time, women would die during childbirth. Imagine this fear being on Mary's mind and heart. Also being a Jewish girl that she was, she probably was a good Jewish girl, like I said, obedient and submissive to the plans and will of her mother, of her parents. So this engagement that we're going to talk about with Joseph was probably an arranged marriage because that's how it was most of the time in those days. Because the women had to depend on men financially, parents wanted to make sure that their, their daughters was well taken care of and protected. But it's just a showing that young ladies or teenagers or young women like Mary have very little say-so about not just their marriage life, but also this, their life in particular. This is Mary's story. How would you feel if this was you? Not a romantic love story no more, is it? More like a drama. And when I think about the life of Mary, I think about two words. One... Dependence to dictation. Two words, dependence and dictation. See, Mary's life, her plans, her path was dictated to her and not dreamt up by her. Let me say it again. 
Mary's life was dictated to her. Where she was going to go, what she was going to be was dictated to her, not dreamed up like we do and say, hey, I want to become one. It wasn't dreamt up by her. It was dictated to her. So imagine when it, when, whenever Mary thought about dreaming, it probably grieved her to dream. Whenever she thought about maybe I can be, she was reminded of reality and it grieved her probably to dream. Is there anyone in the room that's like Mary? Does it grieve you to dream? Does it grieve you to dream? Because majority of the time when you do dream, things don't go the way you planned them to be. Does it grieve you to dream? Because most of the time you look at life and feel like, man, my life is against me. I have a plan, I have a will, and it don't ever happen the way I want it to. Does it grieve you to dream in this room? Maybe because some of y'all lost faith to dream. You know it takes faith to dream, right? Because you got you to gotta vision something and then you got to believe that this thing can happen so you begin to walk your life in the way of the vision and the dream that you have for yourself. But again, this is not Mary's life. Mary's dreams, her journey in life has always been dictated by someone else and not dreamt by her. Now, I'm not saying that Mary walked around depressed, I'm not saying Mary walked around as a frustrated teenager. I'm not saying Mary walked around in self-pity, feeling like, woe was me. I'm not saying that. But I do believe Mary had a mindset that a lot of us have when we keep facing disappointments, rejection, and failed pursuits. Listen closely. We have this mindset that says this. This life isn't about me. It's about others. So I'm going to suppress myself and just serve others. I'll decrease so he can increase. It almost sounds good, right? Like, yeah, man, the Bible talks about, yeah, we're supposed to die daily. Yeah, we're supposed to die daily. But you, you missed the key word. I will suppress myself to serve others. And yes, God's word called us to die daily. I live off of that, Matthew 16, 24. One of the first scriptures given to me when I came to the faith, Matthew 16, 24. If any man should come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, and then follow me. But this right here, this is not about dying daily to our will. But what we've been seeing in Mary's life, what we're going to see in Mary's life, she's been dying daily to her existence. God doesn't call us to die daily to our existence, but he does call us to die daily to our will. And a suppressed flower is a flower that is planted, a flower that is rooted, but never broke ground. Think about it. To suppress yourself is to be a flower that was planted in the ground, rooted deep in the ground, but never broke ground. This is Mary's life. Yahweh has planted, watered, and rooted you. But because you are waiting for a man to give you increase to your life, you are stunning your growth and your God-given access to break ground. Do you not know, do we not know, do we not remind ourselves that God, Yahweh has created us and called us to break ground and bear fruit? So I encourage you this morning, stop suppressing your growth because you don't look like them, you don't talk like them, and you don't see like them. They don't determine who you are, where you're going, and how you get there. Yahweh does. And When I think about increase, it's a definition I thought about. Increase is your determined pace of growth and capacity of fruit. 
because God called us all to bear fruit, increases your determined pace or growth and capacity of fruit. See, only Yahweh can supply increase to seeds. Man only has the ability to plant and water like God's words say, but only God gives an increase to seeds. Amen? What does this mean? This means that what you think and who you think has the power to pull you down or push you up don't have that power. So stop waiting on someone or somebody to bring an increase to your life. Mary. Mary was that flower planted and rooted, but yet to break ground because I believe she was used to depending on man to impart increase into her life. So maybe she saw herself lower than she's supposed to. And because she didn't break ground in plain sight, I mean above the ground to the naked eye, she didn't exist. Because when you think about a seed that's growing, it starts growing beneath the ground. And you wait for it to break the ground to bear fruit to let you know, oh man, there was a seed in the ground. So until we break the ground in our lives, sometimes we don't look like we exist to people because they don't see it with the naked eye. But God, God has an appointed time for you to break ground. Say, somebody in here say, God has given me a appointed time to break ground. That sounds so terrible. God has given me a boy to break down. Say it again. Say, God has given me an appointed time to break ground. Hallelujah. Amen. May it be so. So let me just get back to the story. I went on my tangent to have enjoy. Praise God. So, so to die to your existence is not to be fully present in this life that Yah has given you to be present so he can be present through your life. So when you voice your frustration, when you voice how you don't like this or that, or you voice that you're being overlooked, it's just you being present. But whenever you don't voice anything, your silence speaks volumes. And your countenance, your countenance speaks even louder. A lot of times, those who suppress themselves, though they may be silent, when you look at their face and you look at their countenance and you look at their life, you can look at them and say, man, they, they feel overlooked. That's why it's important. This is, a, this is a side note. That's why it's important as leaders, as you're serving, as you're leading the, the, your ministry areas or leading at your jobs or leading your families, that you're seeking, if you're a believer, discernment by the Holy Spirit to tell you what's going on with those you are leading. Because with your naked eye, you can't see it. You'll look at a smile and it'll be, you'll be like, oh, they okay, they smiling. Oh, they still serving in the ministry, they okay. But it's the Holy Spirit, the divine empowerment that comes upon the believer that gives us discernment and say, no, they're not okay. Look behind the smile. So here's we look at Mary, someone who seemed to be overlooked. God had a plan for her. God had a plan to allow her to be involved in one of the greatest, biggest historical events that ever took place, which is God pursuing his creation through his son. So he can redeem a people for himself on the earth. The same woman 
who every day walked around like, this is just my life. I'm just here. What do you need, mother? What do you need, father? I'm just here. Whatever they want me to do, I'll do. I'm just here, just living life. But probably content with it. Praise God. This is just my life. This very young lady that didn't have great aspiration probably for a life or a dream big for her life. At one point in time, at what we're going to talk about today, God had a point in time to meet her where she was and call her higher. Let's dive into the word this morning. As we think about this series, Vantage Point, we ask the question every time we talk about a character or characters in this whole series is, what is their vantage point? And I believe Mary's vantage point is this. I don't deserve grace, but I receive it. I believe Mary's vantage point is, when she's, when she's encountering what she's encountering is, I don't deserve grace, but I receive it. What does it mean? It means we didn't earn God's grace. It wasn't gifted to us, but we receive it with gratitude. There's nothing you did that that earned you the right for God to say, I'll give you another chance, though you keep disrespecting me. I'll give you another chance, though you don't obey me. I'll give you another chance, though right in front of my face with my breath that I've given you and shared with you. You don't pay me no attention. I'll give you another chance. Grace, we don't deserve his grace, meaning unmerited favor or giving us something we don't deserve, but we receive it with gratitude. Amen. So let's just dive into the text. We'll be in Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 38. It's already been read. It says this in the sixth month, meaning that the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, The angel Gabriel, who is an archangel, the same angel, archangel that that visited Zechariah, the same archangel, Gabriel is known to be uh, one, a guardian, uh, what we call a a guardian angel. He would be the guardian angel of Israel. He was a messenger of God. He said in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God, hallelujah, like I said, he's a messenger of God, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Pause briefly. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Yahweh sends the angel, Gabriel, the archangel, to meet and engage Mary with a message. Mary is found in Galilee in Nazareth. She's She's betrothed at this moment to Joseph, like I said. So this arranged marriage is already in place. Betrothment or engagement would be about a year. And it'd be what, what happens that, a, that during this time, during Jewish culture, the man will come man, and get engaged to the young lady, betroth the young lady, put a ring on her finger. He will make vows to her then. And then he will leave to go prepare a place for her. And then after a year, he'll come back to take her to their home, their new home. Beautiful picture of the gospel, what we have to look for with God, right? Through Jesus Christ, we're betrothed in this new covenant, because that's what a marriage is, the covenant. So in the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, through us repenting and having faith in the person work of Jesus Christ, we become betrothed or betrothed or engaged to Jesus, right? He's our husband. The church is a, is a wife. Y'all know that, right? Right? Okay. Amen. Praise God. So I'm back to it. So he engaged, he gets engaged to the church, the wife, he creates the church, he engages himself to her, he starts a new covenant with her, he gives us vows, I will be with you forever, I will be with you always, you have life in me, you have hope in me, I will come back for you. He gives his vows, 
He gives the Holy Spirit. That's the ring on it. I sealed you. I told you I don't play. I put a ring on that thing. Then he bounced out. And then what Jesus says, I have to go wide to prepare a place for you. For one day where I am, you will be also. So, that, so we're talking about the first coming now. But in the second coming, Jesus is going to come back, grab his bride, take her back home to be with him in the new city, Jerusalem. So this is what we're seeing right here when you, when, you, when you think about betrothment and marriage, even if some of y'all in here are thinking about getting married, don't take it lightly. It's a covenant that is, that is expected that both parties will be faithful to it. So here she is. She's betrothed to. She's engaged to Joseph. So Joseph is gone. He, he, he bounced off. So Joseph's going to do what he got to do to go prepare a house for her. So she's betrothed to Joseph. She's a virgin. Meaning, we grown folks, meaning she haven't had sexual relations with anybody. Amen. She's a good girl. Praise God. She's the one all the brothers in the hood be chasing after. Yo, I got to get shorty. Got to get shorty. And she's married to a man named, she's engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, meaning he's from the lineage of David, King David. They said the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this scene that we're looking at is called the, the Annunciation. The annunciation meaning when, when Gabriel, the archangel, came and delivered a message to, uh, to Mary that she will conceive a son from God. Gabriel means strength of God. Let's continue. In 28, it said, and the angel, Gabriel, came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Paul's favorite in Greek means charitu, meaning that Yah is personally choosing you out of the world for this. Not because you have done anything to deserve it. He's doing this because he wants to. Charitou is a, is a, is a favor. It's a, it's a grace. That's what grace is. Charitou is the same as grace. Mercy is when you, when you, when something is, when you don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. So the angel says, greeting, favored woman, a woman who is graced by God, the Lord, the Yahweh is with you. When we think about grace, I think about Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 10, when it talks about, man, like through Christ, man, grace has been given to us, like salvation has been given to us as a gift. Grace is a gift. When you laid on your car payments and they say, you got 30 more days, you better take that as a gift. (laughs) They don't have to give it to you. They can show up at your job and take that Maserati or whatever it is that you got. But they say, we're going to show you a little bit of grace. But no, no, on, on day 31, they had next to your car like, yo, you didn't, we taking it. Grace. It's something given to you. It's a gift. You don't earn it. The Bible talked about, he said, if salvation came as, uh, if, if salvation didn't come as a gift and you can earn it, then it's not a promise. And as I talked about weeks ago, when I talked about how worthy is the lamb is, where we find rest because they said nobody on the earth, under the earth, above the earth is worthy to break the seals or worthy to judge. And we find rest because if anybody that was mortal was worthy to even judge, then that means I expect the expectation on our lives will be greater. But here we see this grace has come to Mary. Grace has been shown to us in the pursuit of God through the coming of Jesus to save us and redeem us. That's why we're talking about this Merry Christmas or we're talking about this second advent or this first advent or the coming of Jesus Christ because we want to celebrate the fact that Yahweh made a a promise at the beginning 
of all things in the Garden of Eden, but that he would send an offspring that would redeem us and save us and crush the head of the serpent. And right here through Jesus Christ coming, it's the continuation or the fulfillment of that promise. And then we know now that we've all been beneficiaries of that promise. What I love here in Scripture, you look at it, pay attention whenever you're studying Scripture, to really pay attention to even the very little things. If you notice, he said, you are favored, E.D., by God. He didn't say, I come to favor you. He didn't say, hey, here is favor. He said, you favored woman of God. Meaning, Mary was favored before she even knew it. All this time before she ran into Gabriel, Mary was favored by God and never knew it. Meaning she was graced to be chosen and called aside for God's using and she never even knew it. So imagine when she stopped dreaming and she didn't have faith to dream and imagine when she was facing the culture that she was facing and any time that she felt down and felt like there's no hope, all that time there was a favor of God on her life. How many of us are living and not knowing that there's a favor of God on your life? Yes, it's the, the ultimate greatest favor or grace of God in your life that, that he gave his son so that anybody who repent and put faith in Jesus Christ can get access to Yahweh to, to get their relationship reconciled back to God. They can be redeemed out of darkness of marvelous light. Yes, also that favor, that grace. But sometime in your life, there's other graces that God is blessing you with. There's other favor on your life. How many of us are walking around and we don't even know it? And think about this. Whenever, whenever you, when you start realizing follow Jesus, now, now, let me make it clear, disclaimer. You have, everyone has access, believer or non-believer, to Jesus Christ. If you repent, turn from your ways, put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow him. But this, it's another favor that comes with God's people. There's another favor that comes with us. Imagine that you know that when the Bible says all things work out for the good, this is favor. Romans 8, 28 is favor. All things work out for the good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. In light of that grace and favor, think about this, that when you're chosen and you're favored by God, that every step, every opportunity, every person you meet, every bad and good situation, everything that you go to and go through is submitted under the favor and grace that is on your life. So it has to work out for your good because there's a favor. Oh, my God. If you would know there's a favor on your life, you walk different. Me and my wife. I'm like Bill Cosby. I like stories, right? So my wife and I went to Indiana briefly. My wife, we from Gary, Indiana. Anybody know my wife? My wife like, I'm trying to go in Gary and I'm trying to come right back out. Baby. I was like, cool. So we go to Gary so... I thought I booked a flight. So we were doing a cohort with the Heidi Boulevard. Shout out the Boulevard cohort. So we was, yeah, amen, hallelujah, great time. So I thought I booked a flight for 10 p.m. So I'm looking to check, like, yo, it's all good. And I'm looking like, oh, my God, it was, it was 9 a.m. So I'm calling them up like I got the cheap tickets. They was like, nah, we don't redeem that. Like, you lost that show. And I'm like, no. So then I start, I'm be honest, then I start going back. It's like, no, I'm, 
I'm God's child. We're going we to make this happen. I got favor on my life. You know, you start, I got favor. You start listening to the right songs to get built up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I went to the, I went to the, I mean, they told me, Delta, like, there's nothing we could do. Like, man, you, you just got to buy new tickets. It's like, no, we don't. No, 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 we don't. Mm-mm. So I drove all the way to the airport. And I walked up to the lady. And I was getting ready. I was working on plan B on my phone. I was like, no, I got this. Let's go. So I'm standing in line just ready. Like, when you got favor, you stand different. You just like, you, you stand like you're supposed to be there. You know, you're like, you know, y'all finished what y'all doing. I'm about to, about to get in. So I walk up to the lady, and she was the nicest person in the world. She's like, what can I do for you? I said, praise God. Let's get this going. Okay. I told her my circumstance. And she was like, oh, I got this. God got this. I was like, come on, somebody. She worked it out, boom, boom, brought this thing back up. She's like, you can get on the last flight, you'll be on standby. But you know what? We're going to believe God going to do it. I said, we're going to believe he's going to do it then. Amen. So God made way. We was able to get on a flight. We was able to get there and get back. Praise God. But I'm saying, because I reminded myself, though I'm playing around, I do. And I teach my children this, the same thing. I remind myself of whose I am. And it calls me to walk different and move different. So imagine Mary here, all this time, not knowing the favor that's been on her life. The favor that's been on Mary's life since birth. God is out of time. He's all-knowing. He's out of, he's, he's out of time, though he works in time. God knew when she was in, when he, he said, I fashioned your mother's womb. When he was fashioning Mary in his womb, he's like, yo, I got a great plan for this woman. And she didn't even know it. The same is for us who believe in Yahweh and put our faith in Jesus Christ. We've been graced from the womb. So though we don't deserve grace, we receive it. Amen? Amen. Luke, let's continue. Luke chapter 1, verses 29, he says this, but she, after she received this Gabriel, she, she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be, meaning she was just confused, meaning she was just, her emotions and her mind was all over the place. Like, yo, like, why is this, this, this archangel here to visit me? I'm just a woman. What's going on? I'm just a teenager. I mean, like, what is all this about? And, then, and he's telling me I'm favorite. Like, she was troubled. She like, like, we would be. Angel show up, you'd be troubled. She was troubled. It's natural. She's human. And then the angel told her, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Mary, you have found favor with God. One of the points I want to make, favor of God comes with the presence of God. He said, you've been favored by God because God is with you. People of Yahweh, people of God, followers of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. God's favor is with you because God's presence is with you. And then in 31, it says this. He said, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Yeshua Jesus. And here it says Jesus, but in Hebrew, his name is Yahshua. The same name is Joshua, but they, don't, they didn't pronounce J's. It was Yahshua or something. That's why you may hear something say Yahshua. They just slow it up, you know. Like if you say Leroy, I might say Leroy. You know what I mean? Just change it, yeah. <laughs> you say baloney, I say balagna, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I say balagna. <laughs> Pass me the balagna. I don't need baloney. I'm just playing. But, but his name said you would name him Jesus or Yahshua or Yeshua, or Yehoshua, meaning Yahweh saves, Yahweh is salvation, or just salvation. And he will be great. 
Hallelujah. And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God, the Lord Yahweh, will give him the throne of his father David. That's why one of the reasons he was coming, not only just to redeem us, not just to ransom us, but also to establish himself as the king, not just even over Israel, but over all Jews and Gentiles, women and male. Amen. He said, I will give him the throne of David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob or the house of Israel forever. And his kingdom will have no end. We have a king whose reign will never end. We have a king who graces us and shows us mercy, who walks with us and prays for us and intercedes for us. He is sitting on the throne and his reign will never end. And then Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I, that I'm going to conceive a child? And yeah, his name going to be Jesus, that's cute, but how can this be that I'm going to conceive a child when I've never been with a man intimately? And then the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh will come upon you. The holy breath of God will come upon you. Mean envelop you, overtake you, consume you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Paul, she said, how can this be? I can't conceive a child. Me and Joseph never slept together. Like, I'm, I'm pure. I'm, I'm a virgin. I never slept with not even just Joseph, but any man. How can something so miraculous take place in my life? He said, it will when the Holy Spirit takes over you. Same to you as you a believer. How can I share the gospel? I barely know the word well. How can I tell somebody about Jesus? I'm not worthy. I do this. I still fall short. How can I preach and teach? How can I do this? How can I, how can I lead my children? How can I love on my husband? How can I do in these things in and of myself? He said, but if the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it would empower you to be witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit should be most importantly talked about in the church. For Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach said, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit and it will empower you to be what? Witnesses of Yeshua Jesus. To anybody in this room, if you worry about sharing the gospel, how can I do it? I think I'm inadequate. You maybe are. But if you pray, you ask the Holy Spirit that has been gifted to you by grace through Yeshua, through Jesus, if you pray next to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me ability to tell this person about my Lord and Savior. He will empower you to do so. Our Savior said it. That's why he didn't let them go. When he told them about the Great Commission, make all disciples, make disciples of all nations, teach them all that I taught you, and I'll be with you in the earth, but don't go yet. Meet me somewhere so the Holy Spirit is going to come. He didn't say, now go, get on out of here, go, run. No. The second step was he told him what's going to happen, but then he gave him instructions how to get there. He said, go, meet in this certain place. The Holy Spirit is going to come and it's going to empower you to do what I called you to do. Mary said, how can I do something that I don't have the natural ability to do? He said, the Holy Spirit and the power of God will empower you to do it. When the Holy Spirit empowers you, second point, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, what you think is impossible, Yahweh say, I'm possible. When the Holy Spirit empowers you, 
You say, this is unbelievable. God said, you better believe it. When the Holy Spirit consumes you and empowers you, you'll say, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. This is too much. God say, you're not alone. And then he gives her a testimony. Consider Elizabeth. He said, let me tell you, your cousin Elizabeth, remember she's barren, she couldn't have children? <laughs> I already did it with her. She's pregnant. She's, he says this in 36, and consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old, her old age. And this is the sixth month of her who was called childless. Then he makes this powerful statement that we can sit with and praise God with and for and, and meditate on in 37. He said, for nothing will be impossible with Yahweh, with God. How can I do it? You don't have to do it. I'm doing it. Yahweh says, nothing will be impossible with God. Meaning, don't do nothing without God if you want it to be effective and fruitful. That's why John say, abide in me. For if you don't abide with me, you cannot do nothing fruitful for me. Nothing would be impossible for God. Is there anything too hard for Yahweh? I'm asking you. I already know you. Is there anything impossible? I'm going to ask you, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Is healing too hard for God? Is deliverance from our addictions too hard for God? Is the restoration of our marriages too hard for God? Is saving our child and our friend and our neighbors from damnation too hard for God? Then give him a hallelujah praise for who he is. Glory to the almighty God. So after all has been said, Mary, take in everything that's been said to her by the, the archangel Gabriel. And she says, see. She said, behold me, look at me. I am the Lord's servant. I am a doulos. I am a bond servant. I am a slave. Sometimes they would use those words. Paul said, he said, I'm a slave. He even said, I'm an addict. He said, I'm addicted to the ministry. She said, I see and behold, O archangel. Or she probably even said to the Lord, to see and behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Sounds like Yeshua Jesus. Preparing to go to the cross. He's in the garden. He's praying. He's, he's, he's praying. His three of his disciples are out there sleeping, but he's praying. And he said, take this cup from me, Lord. This is, this is too much. I don't want to be separated from you. I love you, old Father. Take this cup from me. He said, but nevertheless, let your will be done. In so many words, I am your servant. Do what you call me to do and do what you want to do. Why? Because I've been... Mary says it's not, not Yahweh, not Yeshua, but Mary said because I've been graced and I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Last point, I encourage you to receive with faith as a servant God's plan and will for your life. 
You can find out his will through his scripture. You can find out his will in prayer. You can find out his will in community with brothers and sisters in the faith. But whatever God's will is, be a servant to it. Whatever God's calls you to do, ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace, divine ability to do it. Out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving. That's what we say. Don't do nothing out of murmuring. Don't do anything out of complaining. Don't be like, I don't want to do this guy like we used to do our parents. He is God. He's the almighty Yahweh who loves you and shows you grace and mercy. And we don't deserve it. Receive with faith as a servant of Yah, what Yah is desiring and doing in your life. The question is, do you consider yourself God's servant? And are you a servant that he can trust with the most valuable treasures like his gospel? 2 Corinthians 5, he said, now, he said, we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, entrusted through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, you get a chance to go home and read it. He said, we've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, and we've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation, which is the gospel, I believe. Can Yahweh entrust you with this gospel? One of his precious, valuable treasures. Can he entrust you with another precious, valuable treasure? The church. Your brothers and sisters in the faith, can he trust you to love on them, to pursue one another, to value one another, to not talk bad about one another in the midst of the world? I tell my children all the time, you don't let nobody talk about your brother and sister. We could jive on them at home, call them big head. You could tell me everything they don't do at home in our household, but you don't go out in the world and talk about your brother and sister to nobody. You don't make them a spectacle to nobody in the world. Sometimes we're flip mouth. We're brothers and sisters in the faith. When David showed us a great example of Saul trying to kill him, and Saul tried to kill him, he had every right to defend himself, but he said, I will not put my hand on what God's anointed. He said, though Saul is a pain in my butt right now, Yahweh anointed him. I might not agree with who he is right now, but Yahweh anointed him. How many pastors or leaders have you put a mouth on that God anointed? Because you was in a season with them that they did something you didn't agree with. Or that rubbed you the wrong way. At one point you declared they was anointed. At one point you said, man, I'm going to sit under her, I'm going to sit under him. I believe God is moving through them. But then as soon as they do something you don't like, then you're like, I don't think they're anointed anymore. Be careful. David did these things that David, that y'all lived. David did things that you wouldn't like. He was part of a murder. He was adulterer. He was lustful, prideful, but God still said, that's a man after my own heart. Samson, strong, fell short in the arms of a woman. I mean, we can go on and on about men of God that we esteem in the hall of faith that still fall short of God's glory because they were still anointed. God still appointed them and graced them to do something he wanted to do in their life. I would encourage you, if that's you, pray for somebody. Pray for them right now. Go before the Lord when you get a chance today and say, God, if I looked at that person or I acted, treated them in a way that you not agree with, Lord God, forgive me. 
That's why he said, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. The Bible says it. He said, if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. It's part of the covenant. Part of the covenant is that you forgive people because you have been forgiven. I just had to share that. I felt in my spirit to share that. But also, can he trust you with his valuable treasures called your neighbors? Your neighbors are a gift to you. No matter if they irritate you and they park in front of your driveway sometime or they, <laughs> or they dog run up on you and bark at you every time you come outside, whatever it is that you don't like, they're a gift to you. Because one, they're going to expose things about you so God can continue to work on you through your relationship with them. But they're a gift also because God uses the opportunity to commune with you so you can experience him and know him as he engaged them through you. Are you a servant? Can he trust you with his most valuable treasures like the gospel, his church, and his neighbors? And I end with this. Mary's story, like I said, was a drama. A story where she experienced the grace of God and showed gratitude because of that grace. And in verse 46, she sings this. After visiting Mary and, and saw what Yahweh had done in the life of Mary, she sings this. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arms. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of his heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary's story is a story of gratitude for the grace and favor of God. Is an example of how God favors you for the season that you're in, even when you don't know it. So teens, any teenagers in this building, be encouraged. Your youth does not disqualify you to receive favor or be entrusted with a precious gift from God like his gospel. Teens, you are still valuable to the church of God. You're not just the ministry. You're important to the mission of God. Remember, Mary was a teen. Jesus' followers, was, his disciples were way younger than him. Some would say they were, some of them were teenagers. The Hebrew boys were teenagers, were young folks. Women, my women, I love you. Yahweh loves you. Be encouraged. Women, be encouraged. Your gender doesn't limit you from honor and blessings and favor from God. Your agenda doesn't hold you back from who God called you to be as his beautiful, precious, favorite child. 
Many may violate you women, but God values you. Many may violate you with their mouths and how they, they, they honor you at your jobs and in your life, but God values you. Followers of Jesus, be encouraged by faith. You have received the favor, love, and kindness of God and your Savior and King Jesus Christ. You once were foreigners to the kingdom of Christ. Now we are citizens, amen? You once was distanced from God, but now you're forever near to him through Jesus Christ. You once was enemies of God. Now you're a family of God. You once were lost, but now you're found. You once were blind, but now you see people of God. Hallelujah. You have been favored by God. And to those of you who have yet to receive or believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, not these other religions, not these other ways that the world tell you, if you have yet to come to a place to believe that Jesus Christ is truly the only way to restore your relationship with your creator, because right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ or you haven't put faith in Jesus Christ, in the personal work of Christ, you are now, you are, you are in a broken relationship with God. And the only relationship you have with him right now is one of a judge and the one who is to receive wrath through that judgment. But through Jesus Christ as a gift, free to you, by grace, you can come as you are today and say, I want a relationship with my creator. So I repent, meaning I'm going to stop following the ways of the world and following my ways, and I want to follow his ways. I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to put my faith in him so I can be saved from the wrath of God, but most importantly, so I can live forever with him. You have that chance today to experience the favor of God that comes through the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that you don't have to work to receive it. You just have to submit to receive it. Repent, believe, and everything goes in motion. So if that's you today, I, I beseech you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, by the grace of God, that by faith you go up to someone, whether it's myself or any other pastors or elders or anybody at the doors in this room, and you say, I want to be saved. I want to know him. Or maybe you just might want to say, I want to understand why I need to be saved. Sometimes we think people know why they need to be saved, and they don't. So I encourage you, as we pray, as we pray, and the musicians and the worship team begin to come back up, I want to give a moment for us to pray. And if anybody that is here that needs prayer, prayer because you've been feeling like you've been living a life of suppression and not existing, And there's hurt and there's trauma from it because others have done this to you or you have done it to yourself. If you need prayer, we want to ask you to come down for whatever it is 
whether it's for healing, whether it's for for deliverance from addictions, whether it's prayer for, for strength, we want to agree with you in prayer. So if any elder or any type of woman could come down to the front, we want to give a moment. I want to give a time for us to pray for you. Or if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give an opportunity to pray with you and introduce you to the one who wants to show you favor. Number 6, 24, 26 says, The Lord blesses you and keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is for the believer, but that can be also for you who have yet to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So again, if all elders and types of women can come down, as the music play, we want to give an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. This grace that he's showing you, this mercy. None of us in this building, not even me on this stage, deserve his grace. But he gave it because he wanted to, because he loves his creation so much. He loves you so much. John 3.16 said, God so loved, he so loved the, the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would just believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you are a believer, take this time to pray for somebody, your neighbor, Pray for your neighbor that don't know Jesus. That this week, that he'll give you the grace, the ability to share the gospel with them, and they will come to know him. That's what matters. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity that we can come and be in your presence. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.